Good morning, and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. If you're ever in Uptown Columbus, we invite you to stop by and say hello. We'd love to see you, have you worship with us. We'll make you feel like family. At First Presbyterian, we are family. Learning together, growing together, worshiping together. A reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 13 through 22. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have given heed to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt. I declare that I will bring you up out of the misery of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us now go a three days' journey into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. I know, however, that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders that I may perform in it after that he will let you go. I will bring this people into such favor with the Egyptians that when you go, you will not go empty-handed. Each woman shall ask her neighbor and any woman living in the neighbor's house for jewelry of silver and of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, and so you shall plunder the Egyptians. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. We now invite again all those who are able to stand for our second reading, which comes to us from the Acts of the Apostles. Picking up in chapter 4, we're making our way through the book of Acts right now in a sermon series called Actions Speak Louder Than Words, and um, we were in chapter 3 last week, and we pick up the story where it left off. Listen now to what God wants to say to your life this morning. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them, much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is resurrection from the dead. So they arrested them, put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. 
The next day, their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, yet whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. For there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Now when the elders saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said to each other, What will we do with them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it, but to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after threatening them again, the elders let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all of them praised God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing had been performed was more than 40 years old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Will you join me in prayer once again? O Lord, this morning we come and we pause. We pause to hear what it is you have to say to us. To make us, to mold us into your people. Called, equipped, and sent to your world. May we hear, may we understand. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, a couple of years ago, I got a a phone call from a good friend of mine, a friend named Craig Thompson. And Craig is uh, the director of a camp in Northern California called Kidder Creek at the time, a Christian camp run for middle schoolers and uh, high schoolers. They come from all over uh, the West Coast to, to go to this camp. And Craig said, Nathan, I need a speaker for camp. Uh, would you come? So, of course, I said a free trip to Northern California to hang out with teenagers. Sounds like a great idea. So I hopped on a plane and I made my way to Northern California to a small little town named Etna, California, kind of in the shadows of Mount Shasta, if you know where that is, just south of the Oregon border. Well, a couple of our other friends from college got word that I was on my way out there, and so we decided that I wouldn't go alone, but we invited all six other gentlemen to join us. And before we knew it, we had a reunion. 
a reunion of my D group from college. A D group at the school where I went, or also known as a discipleship group, is merely a, a cool way of saying a small group. And this small group of guys, there were seven of us and a professor. We met every Tuesday night, all four years of college, to pray, to read scripture, to talk about what it meant to be men of God, and to prepare ourselves to go out into the world when we left college. Now, we had all scattered and gone our own ways, and so this was a wonderful opportunity for reunion, one that we couldn't pass up. And we got to do it in the beautiful country of Northern California. It was a great week. I spoke in the morning, and one of our other friends, Scotty, would do music, and in the evenings I would lead worship, but the afternoons we had free to hang out with one another, and the late evenings to talk, to laugh, and to enjoy each other's company. Well, on Thursday, Craig decided that we should take the trip that all the campers take on Thursday to the Klamath River to go white water rafting. We went white water rafting this week in our own community uh, to the Chattahoochee River, which was a lot of fun with the middle schoolers, and we look forward to doing that with the high schoolers later on in July. But the difference between the Klamath and the Chattahoochee is the Chattahoochee's rapids are man-made, so they're fairly safe. You should still wear a life jacket if you go in the river, but they're fairly safe. The Klamath is not man-made. It is made by God and very dangerous at times. And you can imagine um, seven college graduates uh, who had not seen each other for a long time and their professor on a raft making the way through the rapids. It was a lot of fun. Laughing and joking, pushing one another out of the raft and pointing and all those things. But Craig decided that after lunch, we stopped on a sandbar, and he said, hey, there's something amazing I want to show you. Follow me. So we proceeded to hike up this creek bed. Now, you could see where the creek ran into the river, and so you started hiking along this creek bed, and it was made by snow melt and rain, and so there was really no path. You just kind of had to make your own path up this creek bed. And so we walked, and we walked, and and it was beautiful, and we finally got to this place where there was nowhere to walk on the side of the creek any longer. There was a, a canyon of sorts. And Craig said, okay, now what we're going to see is just around this canyon, so follow me. And he proceeds to scream at the top of his lungs and jump into the crystal clear, icy cold water that had just been snow, I mean, not that long ago. I, I think I could see the snow that had, had once been. We all look at each other, and we'd done, you know, silly and stupid things together, as college students do, and so I'm like, well, this isn't the craziest thing I've ever done with these guys before. All right, here we go, and so we all jump into the icy cold water, and it is freezing. I don't know if you've ever jumped in icy cold water before, but it'll wake you right up. You might need that this morning. Um, we began to swim up the canyon, and Craig went kind of around this corner, and I could hear him. I couldn't see him, but I could hear him saying, you guys, come on just a little bit farther. It was so cold, I was ready to turn around and just forget the whole thing. But he said, come on, you can make it. And so we kept swimming. We get around the corner of this canyon. And this expanse opens up. And there's a pool about three feet deep. And this unbelievably pristine waterfall. Just flowing. There's no one else around. You can't get to this waterfall except by climbing up that creek bed and swimming through that canyon. It's beautiful. 
It's gorgeous. And in that moment, as we're pushing one another under the icy falls, God's presence is undeniable. And it's not just the waterfall's beauty and God's creation as undeniable, but it's the experience of being with these men whom I've come to love and to appreciate and to care deeply for. It was an undeniable experience of God's presence. It wasn't just the waterfall. It was the day rafting and joking, the week singing and praying, the time crying together as we found out one of our friends could not get pregnant with his wife and another who was struggling financially and professionally. It was God's presence in the relationships and in the experience. God's presence was undeniable. Have you ever experienced God's undeniable presence? Maybe it was the sunset or the sunrise coming up slowly over the ocean or the desert. The beauty, undeniable. God's presence, undeniable. Maybe you've experienced that presence in the high-pitched screaming of your son and daughter as you tickle them to the floor and they scream, stop it, stop it, and you just collapse into one another, laughing and enjoying that moment. Maybe it is when you got that job that just never seemed possible. Have you experienced God's undeniable presence? Maybe it was when those bills looked like they would never get paid, and yet month after month after month, there seemed to be enough when there shouldn't have been. Or maybe you've experienced God's undeniable presence when the doctor said it was only going to be two months, but two months turned into four, which turned into a year. Maybe you've experienced God's undeniable presence when you've lost someone you love and the community of faith has surrounded you with love and grace and made being alone seem not quite as scary. God's presence comes to us in all kinds of moments. Moments of teaching our children to ride a bike, to rainbows, to thunderstorms, to a thank you, to a hello. God's presence in our lives is undeniable. There are moments where we can just sit back and all we can do is say, thank you, Jesus, for that gift. The gift of your grace in that moment. And in our Scripture this morning, we find Peter and John experiencing a moment just like that. Pentecost has come. And on the day of Pentecost, the disciples experience something that is beyond words. I mean, we, we read the story in Acts chapter 2 and it seems like chaos. and It's something you had to see to believe. It's so unbelievable. And, and they're just in awe of what God has done. And so they decide the next day that they're going to go give thanks. And so they walk to church like every good faithful Jew does. They walk to church, to the synagogue, 
to pray. And upon entering the church, they find a man who is lame on the steps. And we heard this story last week. And what do they do? They heal the man. They heal this man in the name of Jesus Christ, the risen one. Again, they experience God's undeniable presence and power. And everyone around them is so amazed that they start asking, well, how would you do that? That's amazing. And so they start teaching. They start talking about this man named Jesus who taught with them and walked with them and healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, who after three days in the grave rose again. And so, as you can imagine, a crowd starts to assemble because it's an unbelievable story that they're telling. And the preacher's inside the church preaching like I am right now, and, um, well, he gets a little annoyed because, you know, he's taking, he's taking the flock out the door to the front steps of the church. He's annoyed because they're not hearing the Word of God inside the church, but on the front steps of the church. And so the religious leaders, the pastors, they put Peter and John in jail. They put him in jail for preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the next morning, because it was late and they wanted to get some sleep, and so the next morning they come and they bring Peter and John before the session, the elders of the church, and they say, how'd you do that? What, what was that? In whose name and whose authority were you doing those things? Because last time I checked... We're the religious leaders. We're the ones in authority, not you. And you were doing it outside the walls. What, what, it's supposed to be inside the walls. Well, Peter and John have an answer. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter says, we do these things in the name of Jesus Christ, the One you crucified, the One you did not believe in, the one whom God raised from the dead. Well, if I was the religious leaders, I'd be a little annoyed, a little frustrated, a little angry. And so, they try to come up with something, but the problem is that the man who was healed is standing right there. The miracle is undeniable. A man couldn't walk, he now can walk, and he's standing right there. And so, they have nothing on Peter and John, and they release them. They release them. Now, what's funny to me about this story is that when I reread it, what I find is that the religious leaders, and to be honest, I think I would respond the same way if there was a commotion on the front steps of the church this morning, and you all went out to see it, I think I'd be annoyed and if somebody was walking around Columbus healing sick people, I would be annoyed. Well, I, and so I think, if I'm honest, I'm a lot like the religious leaders, but I, when I reread the story, what I find is that they missed the point. They're asking the wrong question. They're asking, who do you think you are, you uneducated, common men? Who do you think you are? When they should have been asking, 
how can I get what you have? Whatever it is that you have, I want it. They were so wrapped up in their understanding of tradition and religion that they missed yet again the very presence and power of Jesus Christ in their midst. You see, these are the leaders that knew Jesus. They'd seen Jesus do these miracles. And yet, time and time again, they saw, but were never perceiving. They heard, but were never understanding. I told the children a story about when I went to the zoo uh, to see a bear. Well, there's another story in my life uh, that's real similar. When I was a kid, there was a meteor shower. I don't know how many people have ever seen a meteor shower. They're, they're quite uh, breathtaking. And so my dad gathered all of the children in the neighborhood. There were a lot of kids in our neighborhood that were about my age. And so he decided he would stay up late with us all and go watch this meteor shower. And so we went out. Uh, my backyard backed up to a cemetery with this big cemetery behind our house. And there are no lights in the cemetery. So my dad grabs all of us. We go into the cemetery and we're laughing and playing and you know we're scared because it's dark outside we're in a cemetery and we make our way to this open field where my dad puts down the blanket and we lay down to look up at the sky to see the meteor shower that's going to come and, and I can hear the oohs and the ahs but I, I missed it I, I don't know what happened I don't know if I was looking in the wrong place or the but afterwards, everyone was talking about how wonderful it was, and my dad said, Nathan, what'd you think? And, well, uh, I, I missed it, Dad. I didn't, you know? And, and I try to make up for, oh, it was wonderful. It was great. I want to be a part of the story, but I, I just, I didn't see it. I was looking in the wrong part of the sky. Well, you'll get the next one, Nathan. It's okay. And I, I missed the meteor shower. Have you been there? Where there was something right in front of your eyes and yet you missed it. You're looking right past it. Last May, my parents came out to the Jersey Shore while Joy and I were still living there and to enjoy some time on the beach. And uh, while we were at the beach one day, some, some dolphins swam by. Have you ever been at the beach and seen some dolphins? It's, it's quite amazing. But the dolphins are always kind of far out, so you've got you to gotta point in, in my mom, for whatever reason, she just couldn't see him. Have you been there, right? Like, every, it's right there. Can't you see? that? And I, you just miss it. This happens all the time. And the truth is that God's grace, God's presence, and God's power is happening all around us. It is undeniable. But so often, we're just looking in the wrong place. Or maybe we're just looking past it. Because the reality is throughout all of Scripture, we're given story after story of God's undeniable power and action. In our first reading this morning, we read of God giving Moses God's name. Yahweh, I am that I am. And in that moment, there's a bush that's on fire that won't stop being on fire. I mean, that's undeniable God's presence in that place. And all Moses can do is take off his shoes because he's on holy ground. He knows he is in the presence of God. Joshua 
invites the Israelites to walk around the impenetrable city of Jericho. Doing what? Blowing on some horns and singing and making noise. It sounds ridiculous. And yet, what happens? The walls of Jericho come tumbling down. The undeniable power of God at work. Elijah's on a mountain. A mountain called Carmel. Where he goes toe-to-toe with the prophets of Baal to prove that God, Yahweh, is the real God. And rains down fire from heaven, the undeniable presence and power of God. And in the New Testament, the story of Jesus, who was the one crucified and three days later raised from the dead, the undeniable power of God. This is the name, the name Jesus in which Peter commanded the lame man to walk. It's the same name in which we pray in which we sing, in which we proclaim the good news that death has been defeated, that darkness will not reign, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the broken made whole. This name, the name Jesus Christ, is the name that threatens the status quo of the religious leaders. This is the name in which there is power, undeniable power that is happening all around us. Do you see it? Do you hear it? It happens when a church decides to feed hungry people by giving them sack lunches. It happens when a church decides to give homeless families a roof over their head for a couple weeks a year. It happens when we invest in the lives of our children and our youth by mentoring them, by listening to them, by loving them. It happens when we come around those who've experienced loss and we love them and care for them and bring them a casserole or two or three. Christ's undeniable power is happening all around us, not just in this church, but in our own lives. When we love our neighbors. When we listen to what's happening in their lives. When we talk to our coworkers, It's undeniable. Do you see it? There's a reason that the word for Holy Spirit in both Hebrew and Greek means wind. Wind. Because the wind goes where the wind wants to go. You can't control the wind. All you can do is point to it. Do you see it there? Do you see it there? The wind rustles the leaves, the plants. You can just make it out some days. But it's there. It's undeniable. Do you see it? The Spirit's power. The wind is blowing. And we learned last week that we're called to be the called out ones, the apostles, the sent ones. We're not just supposed to stay in the church, in the pews. No, we're called out into the world to point to God's undeniable power and love and grace at work in the world. May we be that community 
A community of people that see the undeniable and unmistakable work of God in our lives and in our church. As we love those around us, as we have hospitality for the stranger, as we meet people's needs with abundance and joy. One of the ways that the wind is blowing in our church today is that the fastest growing religious group in the world, or in America at least, is nuns. No religious affiliation whatsoever. And so that means that we're going to have to think differently and creatively about what it means to be the church for those people. The wind is blowing. God is working among them. It just might look different. The wind is blowing. God's power is at work. Do you see it? Do you hear it? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.